0: Welcome to the Business of Health podcast, your go-to resource for practical insights on managing employee benefits and lowering health care costs. I'm your host, Mike Martins, and together we'll uncover strategies to enhance price stability and optimize your company's health benefits. Let's dive into the world of healthcare economics and tackle the challenges of the business of health. Well, I want to welcome everybody to another edition of Business of Health. We have what I think is a great show today, and my guest is absolutely more than qualified to address our topic, which in my opinion is really kind of a subset of wellness, and and we're going to dive into that deep today. And that topic, that subset topic is really nutrition. Krista Martins, welcome to the Business of Health. Thank you so much, Michael. It's great having you here. Now, I have to have some disclosures here. Because this young lady shares the same last name that I do. And she is an incredible woman, an incredible wife to my son and a fantastic mom to my two beautiful granddaughters. But anyway, enough bragging, enough bragging. So Krista, share a bit about your background, your education what you currently do
1: yeah well first thank you michael i think i got the best intro of anybody that's come on your show
0: (laughs) i think you're right but that's okay
1: (laughs) so yeah my name is krista martin i'm a registered dietitian what that really means is that i went to school to learn about nutrition some people study law some people study art i studied food my favorite thing in the world and so i attended doodle college in buffalo new york Very few people have probably heard of it. It's a small private college. They have a great dietetic program there. And so that's where I got my bachelor and master's in nutrition. And I have worked as a registered dietitian since 2016. My first intro into it as a career started by uh, working in an eating disorder facility, which is pretty rare for your first job to be in an eating disorder center. And I'm very fortunate to have. the opportunity because i learned quite a bit about eating disorders disordered eating how the diet world works and how it affects us as a community at large Mm -hmm. and in conjunction with that i actually work in private practice i work for a great company called custom dietetics i've worked with them since 2016 formerly called western new york nutrition it's considered an outpatient environment so i do see eating disorder clients there but I see a vast array of different clients, those may be struggling with, you know, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other similar medical health problems, or people who just want to take a little more control over their health and do some preventive care. I also work as a PRN dietitian for a wonderful company in Indiana called Sala House. It's a residential PHP eating disorder center. Um, and so i just help out there whenever needed but my main job is working in the outpatient environment with custom diet pet and that's it i would say
0: that's why that's why i want to dive into nutrition because when you move up a step and nutrition Mm -hmm. is part of wellness wellness has been a corporate initiative for years and Mm -hmm. one of the things that hr professionals insurance brokers struggle with on wellness initiatives is it does not produce an immediate return on investment. And yeah. it's always a struggle with the finance guy to pitch a program that is going to present positive outcomes in three or four years, but nothing nothing in this calendar year. So even though that's a, a very broad-based term, other than nutrition, what do you see as the key ingredients to this term wellness?
1: Yeah. It's a tricky term because it is extremely nuanced and I think we have to address the elephant in the room here and that there's in this day and age, there are different avenues of wellness that people take. So there's, I call it hashtag wellness and then there's real legitimate wellness. And hashtag wellness is like the sexy wellness that you see on social media or in magazines or presented on TV, right? It's this idea that if we eat a certain way, if we exercise a certain way, then we get to look a certain way and then we're well, and then we're healthy. And then there's real wellness. So real wellness is going to include a vast array of different variables that are going to be extremely individualized. So it's going to keep in mind our social well-being, our mental health, our physical health and our dietary lifestyle, among other things, right? So it can't be boxed into like one specific category. Nutrition plays a huge role in that. And so we need to identify what sort of wellness are we really trying to encapsulate, whether it be in our own individual lives or within a corporate wellness program.
0: Let's go back and take a deep dive into the mental health portion of that, because Mm -hmm. you're extremely experienced in working with people that some who have a disorder, some who do not. Mm-hmm. How important is mental health in yeah. trying to adopt a healthy lifestyle?
1: Yeah, so you're right. You know, I while I do work with eating disorders, I have to say that most of the clients that I see or people that I just talk about with nutrition have some sort of disordered eating problem. And there are so many different comorbidities that come along with that when we're talking about mental health, whether it be extreme anxiety, or depression. And when I talk about food with people, it's extremely emotional. Lots of things come up in our sessions. And people have to remember that dietitians, our scope of practice is food. It is just food. There's a little bit of gray area there, but we really try to avoid going into it because that's going to be a mental health counselor's job, right? So when it comes to overeating and it comes to binge eating or things like that, that's really where a counselor has to come into play with a dietitian. Now, one thing to note, though, when I talk about disordered eating is that diet programs, whether they be part of a corporate wellness program or not, can really push the disordered eating into existence, whether someone had history of an eating disorder or not. And that's definitely something to keep in mind there.
0: Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit Mm -hmm. more, because there's a difference in my definition. There's a difference between a diet and a lifestyle. And and again, I'm kind of treading into your territory. So if you don't agree with this, speak up. But really, isn't what everybody should be looking at if they're overweight or maybe they have medical issues that could be addressed Mm -hmm. through a dietary environment? Isn't it really a lifestyle instead yeah. of a diet?
1: Yeah, there's no short-term answer. Right? Yeah. And that's that's unfortunately what everybody's looking for. They want to really, really quickly, especially if they got some scary news from the doctor. Maybe they got some lab work and or their other doctor's like, oh man, you know, your cholesterol's really high or you're on the verge to becoming diabetic. People want to change that as quickly as possible. And that's what specific diet programs are going to provide. So I think we've all seen it, right? Like uh, whether it's over the radio or on TV, these advertisements about like lose 15 pounds in two weeks, you know, I hear it all the time. I have clients come in and tell me, oh, I did this diet program and it worked, right? Like I lost a ton of weight. Now I barely ate anything and maybe I exercised intensely every single day, but it worked. But then I didn't stick and I don't know why. And I'm like, well, we're not made to do those extremes we're not made to eat small amounts of food and exercise intensely our body wants to live in an equilibrium right so we have to adopt some sort of lifestyle that's going to be sustainable and just like wellness it's going to be individualized to the person right so one of the things i ask my clients when they come in is like what really is your internal motivation for health and if they say weight loss i'm like well if we make weight loss the goal we can use a lot of really messed up behaviors to get there. And I'm not going to tell you, you can't eat X, Y, Z, right? Cause that could in turn create a disordered eating behavior. We don't want to do any of those things. So what can we add in? What kind of nutrition education can we do? What kind of healthy behaviors can we adopt that fit into your lifestyle that don't feel extreme and there's something that you can do long-term that's creating sustainable lifestyle and sustainable health and doing any sort of restricted diet is just not going to fit the bill for that.
0: Everybody that follows our show knows that I am not a fan of big pharma. I am very outspoken about it and I'm an old guy. So I do things (sighs) like I watch TV news. Uh, (laughs) I will occasionally turn on the TV during the day. And what I see is this bombardment of information that i should be taking this supplement or i should be taking that supplement and if i do i'm going to feel great i should follow this regiment and i'm not going to name anybody by names because that's not fair but (laughs) if i follow this regiment i'm going to lose 15 pounds in a week Mm -hmm. and gosh i really only need to lose my doctor told me i need to lose 25 pounds Mm -hmm. i don't see him again for 60 days so I'm going to hit that goal when I get there, and you know we have we have pills for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, if your A1C is too high, take this. If you have COPD, take this. That just makes me crazy. And yeah,
1: it's it's snake oil, right? Like it's been yes. around forever. Like people love selling snake oil, and we have to remember that the diet industry, the supplement industry, it's a multi billion dollar business. Oh, They're yeah. always going to want to be selling you something. And this is, I I ask people all the time. Well, if diets worked then these people wouldn't make money, right? If mm-hmm. you go mm-hmm. on a diet and then you would lose the weight and you would feel great and you would never do it. And we would all adopt the same method. Of course. But it doesn't work. That's how yo-yo dieting comes in. Somebody does this program, they lose weight, then they gain the weight back. They usually gain more weight than where they started. And they, for some reason, the dots don't connect. That maybe it's the diet program that's the problem. Instead, People say, I just don't have the willpower. I just can't do it. And I always tell people that's not it at all. It has nothing to do with willpower. You are a biological machine. Like your body is meant to eat. It's not, again, supposed to do these extremes, right? So no, there isn't any magic diet. There isn't any magic pill. It's not sexy. So real healthy nutrition lifestyle and counseling with a dietitian is not sexy at all, right? It's just right, like the nitty right. gritty of like, Hey, let's increase fruits and vegetables. Let's get some fiber into your diet. Let's start walking a little bit more. And then if we do the foundation of a lot of those things, and then maybe you still need a medication on top of it as recommended by your doctor, not TikTok, then maybe that's an appropriate intervention for you,
0: right? <laughs> exactly. And, yes. and it kind of comes back to that scenario of, unfortunately, everybody wants it right now
1: yeah you know i think
0: back years ago i wrote group insurance on a company and there was an employee that was one of the managers that had a cholesterol issue and he started taking a cholesterol medication and i went over there one day and he was at his desk and i walked in and the guy's eating a cheeseburger and french fries and i said wow i said that's uh, that's an interesting diet for somebody because he had shared with me that he had cholesterol issues He goes, oh, I don't anymore. I just take a pill so I can eat whatever I want. Right. right. And that kind of takes it out of that lifestyle situation. Mm -hmm. And and the other side that's difficult, I think, for people to grab is that if it becomes a lifestyle situation, you're not going to lose 15 pounds in two weeks. Correct. Yeah. Or you may Uh, not
1: lose weight at all, but, you know, your cholesterol levels may improve. Exactly. Like maybe you're. A1c, your hemoglobin A1c lowers, it's not, it's not always directly related to weight. And I think that's a really hard thing for people to understand because you know it's not tangible. When we see the number on the scale go down, we automatically assume we're getting healthier. When, again, because of the field that I work in and the type of population I see, I know that that's not necessarily true.
0: And I belong to a club that I have a lot of friends and members in in this great country of ours in that I am defined as clinically obese. Now, I will share with you that at one point in my lifetime, I got down to 148 pounds and I looked very sick. I'll share a funny story. Your husband, one day, we were going through <sighs> some old photo albums and there's a picture of me kissing Susie, my wife. And Andy looks up and he goes, mom. Who is this guy you're making out with? <laughs> and it was it was not healthy. It did not right. stay off. It was one of these, you know, Ponzi schemes yeah. that that I got involved in. But from a lifestyle perspective, I guess my question is how focused should we really be on our weight I mean, as opposed as opposed to our lifestyle? Do we eat right? Mm. Do we exercise? At 68 years old, I'm here to tell you it's a killer to drop weight. Mm -hmm. I used Mm -hmm. to be able to do it in a snap in my 40s. So is there such a thing as people that are overweight that in Mm -hmm. effect are healthy?
1: Yeah. So that term overweight is really frustrating, right? Because like, oh. who, like what, well, like who determines what that is? And I think we all can identify really easily. That's the BMI scale, the body yes. mass index. Or as a dietitian, we often calculate, you know, ideal weight, which is just a simple calculation using a person's height. But there are people of all kinds of heights who are different body types and therefore different weights. And so I won't go into all the history of the BMI scale, but what we know is that it doesn't take into account that we are, you know, genetic individuals, right? Yes. So we all have a weight that our body works its best at. And that may not be where the BMI scale technically wants us to be. And so if somebody could go into a doctor's office and this is generalization. This isn't all doctors visits for people, but someone could go into a doctor's office and say, well, you know i've been working out and i you know eating more fiber eating more meals at home and eating way less fried food and the doctor could say well your bmi still wasn't isn't with a normal level so you need mm-hmm. to lose another 10 pounds what does that even mean like who cares if a person isn't in the bmi scale if they're if they're adding in healthy lifestyle behaviors their body's going to go where it's supposed to go now, there are, of course, exceptions to that rule. There are extremes. People can be certainly way too thin. And having a lot of extra weight on us can do harm to our physical bodies. I think of there's course. no arguing that. Of course. But there's this bias within the general population and within the medical community that we have to be a certain weight in order to be healthy. I can tell you right now, I'm not what's considered you know, an appropriate ideal weight for my height, but I'm a pretty darn healthy person because I use a lot of healthy lifestyle factors. And I think a lot of people are in that same boat, right? So I think we need to let go of the ideal, the idea, excuse me, that health equals weight and weight equals health because there's just so many other variables and we can only fight genetics so much.
0: So what are the yardsticks? for somebody who is struggling. And when I say struggling with their weight, I don't mean they're 150 pounds overweight. I mean, they're 25, 30 pounds overweight. And when they look at their blood work, everything looks good. Yeah. Because the doctor's going to tell them, oh, you got to lose another 25 pounds. And I'm not I'm not picking on physicians. Don't misunderstand what I'm
1: no, saying. No, and, and I'm not either. I mean, but, I, we, we love our doctors.
0: But how, how does that person walk out of that appointment and say, you know what? I'm doing okay. I'm going to do these things Mm -hmm. and I'm going to continue to do these things. What would those things be?
1: So you want me to describe to you like what healthy lifestyle factors like behaviors, would be? Yeah. 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 It's going to be really tough, right? Because again, and I'm broken record for a reason here. It is very individualized, right? So Movement is important. How somebody moves their body? Does somebody need to go to the gym? No. Maybe somebody plays what pickleball is really popular right now. Sure, sure. Play pickleball, or maybe they walk their dog, or you know, or some things I already mentioned, right? Like not going out to eat as much, learning how to cook some wholesome meals, increasing their fruit and vegetable intake eating adequately and consistently are two of the things that a lot of my clients really struggle with when they come in. It's all, well, I don't eat very much and I can't lose weight. And I say, like, well, let's increase your intake. And people look at me like, like deer, deer in the headlights, right? Like sure, I sure. more food. Right. And I'm like, well, your body's starving. Right. So let's fuel your body and just see what happens. Let's see how you feel. So eating enough food, eating consistently throughout the day, learning how to balance the plate appropriately so that our body is getting its minimum needs for nutrients, right? Right. Not cutting things out, having flexibility. So knowing that you know, 80 to 90% of the time, I'm going to make really positive nutrition choices so that 10 to 20% of the time I can eat whatever the heck I want because I'm a person and food tastes good, right? And I'm not going to not go out to dinner with my family or enjoy Thanksgiving dinner or the birthday cake at say my granddaughter's birthday party, right? Because I want to be healthy. That is healthy. You know, you asked me at the beginning of the conversation, what is wellness and food is such a big part of that because it taps into almost every other part of our
0: wellness matrix, right? Right.
1: Mental health, social wellness, cultural wellness, all of that includes food.
0: So, this can be a journey that is trial and error right yeah and it's a journey that requires persistence Mm -hmm. on the part of the individual some things may work some things may not work and it's a long-term play it's not it's a long-term it's not a short-term play
1: and it's investment right so one of the things the the big thing here is corporate wellness programs like how do we actually create that return on investment long-term that we're really looking for and I think a lot of times it's, you know, throwing these wellness programs at employees and being like, hey, do this. And you get a $150 gift card to Applebee's. Yeah. Like, well, that's yeah. not going to work. That's, you know, trying to create a diet program within the corporate culture. But what I would encourage corporations to do is invest in their employees and show them that their well being, and again, not just their weight, but their actual true well being, is something that the corporation wants, right? So giving them time and opportunity to invest in their own individual health for so the corporation app, like as a whole can be more
0: successful. One of the things we talk about a lot on this show is what we call the cultural shift that ex- is existing in corporate America. The concept of wellness that you address, and I've seen this, Krista, a zillion times, okay, we're going to give you a gym membership. And if you use it and you meet your objectives, we're going to give you a $50 gift card from whatever. Right,
1: Right. but we're not going to give you any time to do that. You have to find the time. So you have to work your full day. And then instead of going home with your family, which is part of your wellness matrix, then you have to find extra time to go to the gym. But if you do that, I'll give you a gift card.
0: Yeah, and I've always felt that that is not an activity that will really create a a cultural change. Because what we have seen is in these environments where the employees that are hitting the gym are now going, oh, crap, I can get paid for this now. Um, and, And the employee that shows up to work and sits in their chair all day long, except for going outside to have a cigarette, doesn't get involved mm-hmm. in those programs.
1: Yeah. And that's actually one of the biases that has created this push for corporate wellness program. You know, some older research is like, yeah, these are great. But then they were like, wait a second. These studies are the biases that the people that would have done it anyway are the ones doing it and yes. the benefit, but more. Right. Long-term randomized controlled studies put out there by like Harvard or the Illinois workplace study are showing that there's really no significant benefit for the employees or the corporation with these initiatives. So what do we do? How do we change it to actually work? And how do we change it so that all of the employees take advantage of it and actually, you know, decrease their sick days and increase their productivity? That's what the corporations want, right? Right. Decrease in utilization of healthcare, right? Um, and the current structure of it all just isn't working. Now, that's not every corporation. Some people have really tapped into some great things, but evaluating from your employees, like what do you guys actually want? Like, what would make <laughs> things better would be a great first step. Don't just do a health risk assessment, right?
0: Right, right. Put people
1: in and be like, what would make this work environment? better for you? Like, how do we tie work environment and health environment together?
0: Absolutely. To completely tie in the culture with the employees, Mm -hmm. you have to have that face-to-face time. You have to ask Mm -hmm. those questions because when they're involved in the process, the outcomes will be there.
1: Exactly. And education, and we're kind of all over the place here, and I just get really excited about talking about these things because I do think they're so important. And I hear like one of the biggest barriers that I hear from my clients is like, well, like what's stopping you from doing all these things that, you know, are good for you. And they tell me work, like I work a lot and I'm really stressed out from work and therefore I don't have time to do these things. Okay, (laughs) fine. And then they come to me and we try to figure it out together. But if there's that foundation of work that supports their client, their not their clients, excuse me, their employees doing these things, that's great. What about the education piece? Right, Mm -hmm. Like someone knows they need to work out. Okay. Someone knows they need to eat healthy, but why? I can tell you right now that most of my clients have no idea what a lot of their diagnoses really are. You know, some people get diagnosed with diabetes and they do intervention for diabetes, but they have no idea how they develop diabetes or what that actually means for their bodies. So doing something like educational lunches, like you don't have to, but if you want to, we have somebody here who's an expert on sleep, or we recorded a webinar with someone who is a physical therapist and can show you some stretches to do at your desk, or we have a registered dietitian. I'm biased, obviously registered dietitian here to talk to you about, you know, what glucose levels and A1C really are and how we can do some really simple things to put them back within normal limits, providing the education to help create further internal motivation for those employees to then use the opportunity that's been laid into the foundation of the culture of the work environment.
0: Presta, what what have we missed? Is there a topic that we didn't touch on today that you definitely want to to bring up to the surface? Oh,
1: man. Well, to be honest with you, Mikey, I could talk about this stuff all day because there are just so many different directions we could take it. I think one of the things I would really like listeners to walk away with is that we have to create concrete foundation. We can't. Nutrition is not a band aid, right? right? It's not going to be short term wellness. It just doesn't exist. If we want to create change within ourselves or within a corporation, we really need to identify what's cracking. Like how do we fix the foundation so that we can build on top of it? How can we encourage our health without creating restriction? How can we create health among our employees without increasing their stress even more and to avoid weight bias? That's another one that I think is so intensely important. Let's look past people's size because Remember that we are individuals. We all have different health parameters. We all have genetic increased or decreased risk for certain conditions. And if we just look at a person's weight, we miss the opportunity to really create a change and be excellent practitioners for them.
0: Awesome. Hey, I really, really appreciate you being on the show. One of the things that always happens is I get notes, I get emails from people saying, hey, why didn't you ask this? Or I would like to learn more about this how does somebody get a hold of you krista
1: yeah so um mikey i'll provide you with my email you can post it on the podcast Um, and they're welcome to send me emails you can also if you're in the western new york area and you're looking for nutrition counseling yourself or if you're a practitioner and you would like to refer to a registered dietitian custom dietetics has a lot of dietitians that specialize in different things so i will list the website there as well you can check us out or go online and search for registered dietitians. Remember that nutritionists aren't necessarily registered dietitians. So keep those words in there for your search. And you can find an ap- appropriate practitioner for whatever your needs are.
0: Awesome! Again, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great day, Krista.
1: Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you again for having me. And thank you all the listeners for tuning in and Listening to Mike and I chat about nutrition.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Well, the only bad news today is that we're at the end of the show. So thanks for listening to the Business of Health podcast. Listening to this show puts your agency in position for success. Remember to click the link below. Check out my website at www.firststaffbenefits.com. Give me a shout. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep taking action. Until next time, this is Mike Martins, signing off.